You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. I'm here and you're not hearing Frank's voice like you normally do. Instead, we're going to get the pearly voice of Paul DeGroot. Good morning. Good morning. There you go. (laughs) Nice to see you again. It's been uh, a whole year since I've seen you. Well, no, since on the radio you've seen me. We saw each other in January. And it's February now. I saw you last month. At Congress, huh? Oh, I can't remember that far back. Come on. (laughs) Oh, speaking of far back, you were just showing me your swanky watch there. That was a gift from your employer. Uh, The employer is NVK. Used to be known as Connor Nurseries. Right. Out Waterdown Way. Mm -hmm. And what do they do? They are a wholesale-only supplier to garden centers and landscapers. Of? Trees, oh, trees, shrubs, shrubs, perennials. The only thing evergreens. we don't do is annuals, and we don't do much in water plants. Oh, so yeah, you do lots of perennials oh. and lots of trees. And what's your favorite of all those things that you people grow? Oh, man. Put me on the spot right away, <laughs> you? Uh, Oh, you can think about that. Let me yeah, do this. No, I'm going to go with a... Uh, I think I know what you're going to go with. Oh, go ahead. Well, what's your license plate say? Stuartia. Oh, really? Pseudocamellia. My, that's, that's my a beautiful plant. Happy plant of the year. Mm, it's pretty Stuartia. rare. We don't carry very many of them. No, and when you do, you probably stick them in a corner somewhere and don't tell anybody they're there. Hide them until the special customers come by. That's right, because you definitely have some of those. <laughs> That's good. So I thought you were going to say one of the maples, because isn't your license plate say something like that? Acer Paul? No, that's my email. My license plate has my name on it with a little addendum on the back end. Yeah. My license plate says Pulcha, which in Dutch would mean little Paul. Wow. I'm six foot two. I don't qualify. (laughs) Pulcha. I just learned something. Do Do you speak Dutch? I can make myself understood and I can understand enough. Yeah. Good. Well, there you go. Well, last name like DeGroote, I think it's really important that you have the, the connection to the, the motherland. Yes. Though you were born and raised here, obviously. Yes. Yes. Hey, listen, there's some things going on. Let's Today, speaking of plants and, and Holland and all things beautiful, the Orchid Show is on. The famous Southern Ontario Orchid Society hosts their annual, always right around Valentine's Day, show. Uh, it's huge. It's today and tomorrow at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. So it's open at, from 11 o'clock until 5 o'clock both days. Uh, believe it or not, there are over 30,000 exotic orchids on display and for sale. There's guided tours. There's growing supplies, which is great. You know, sometimes it's really hard to get a hold of the right pot if you're needing to repot an orchid or the right uh, media to pot it up into and so all those supplies are there and lots of great people are there to recommend the right supplies the right potting media etc there's art for sale there's photography for sale there are seminars by orchid experts so you cannot go in there with a tripod or any fancy cameras you can just go in with your phone and take pictures that way if you want to do the tripod kind of thing they have an early limited admission 
tomorrow morning from 9 to 11 a.m. for just uh, the, the group of people Pro- that are professional photographers who really want amazing photography and they're like you know instagram people or whatever yeah or you know publishing a book or whatever and i have a great email follow-up for jim's i hope jim's listening um i have a great email from a gentleman named linus uh just says he's living outside of washington dc and he responded to Jim's question last week when Terry Kennedy was here on the subject of hardy orchids to grow outdoors in his Philadelphia or near Philadelphia home. So uh, Linus has come back with a whole bunch of different retailers in the neighborhood. So maybe we'll get to that those details. But for now, let me just quickly say that this Wednesday, February 13th, there are multi Hort Society's meeting. Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is, uh, of course, all these events are free. Their topic is Garden of Regrets by Helen Battersby. Not knowing what Garden of Regrets is, but it's probably all a funny stories about all the things that didn't work out quite right. Because Helen is pretty... 101 plants I wish I didn't plant. <laughs> exactly. All the money I, I wish I'd saved. So she is a very humor, humorous presenter. So I imagine it's something silly like that. Uh, of course, they meet at the Scarborough Village Recreation Center, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Meanwhile, the Burlington Hort Society will be meeting as well, February 13th at 7.30 p.m. They're at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane. They have, they're showing the movie The Gardener, and they have popcorn on tap for that. Uh, of course, all are welcome. And the Riverdale Hort meets at the Frankland Community Center, which is on Logan, just south of the Danforth, with Anna Leggett. Her presentation is entitled Growing Shakespeare. Some pretty interesting presentations. So which apparently Shakespeare mentions 186 plants, flowers, trees, shrubs, herbs, and medicinal plants. So since we can grow many of these, uh, Anna will be making that connection to what we can grow and how Shakespeare has uh, referenced them in his work. So that's all pretty fun. And I just realized, you know what? We haven't done the phone numbers. And you're Frank today. So I am Paul, Frank. spit out those numbers, and then we got to go for a break. Calling from Toronto, 416 Three six zero zero seven four zero. Anywhere else in the province? The province and or uh, Canada and I, maybe maybe even the states? No, it doesn't work in states. It's no. definitely Canadian. All right. Anywhere else? One eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. There you go. So call us up. Paul call. loves to talk about trees. So if you've got any tree questions, he's happy to talk about anything. But he particularly likes his trees. Duartia is a big one. We'll be back in a minute. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And we're back. I'm here with Paul DeGroote. Good morning. Pretty exciting. We've got some callers on the line. And remember, if you are a first-time caller, uh, Frank always takes the bell on holidays. But if you are a first-time caller, Paul will do the bell. And, of course, that's to get your garden wings. We're always happy for new callers to new voices on the radio. So for now, we've got a call in from Teresa in Mississauga. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. I have a hot wings tatarian maple. We planted it in the spring of 2015, and it was fine the first year. Uh, the last two years, it has all these black spots. All the leaves have black spots on them. In the fall? or in, No, uh, right no through, middle, right middle, of, the middle of summer already. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, and two years ago, it was just on the leaves. Now, mm-hmm. last year, it was full of spots, but you know the little um, 
the red uh, um, wings that the Tataran has. Oh, uh, after Samara. about a week or two, they all turned brown and fell. So mm. they didn't get a chance to turn red or stay on the tree. Uh, okay. Well, the black spot, if it's the if I can't the spot, hear you too well, Paul. Sorry. This, can you hear me now? A little bit better, yes. All and right. actually, you can lift your mic up a tiny bit. <clears throat> you are six foot two, after all. This technology <laughs> thing that gets me every time. Okay, the black spots on the leaves, if the spots are about the size of a dime? No, they're much larger. It almost covers all the leaves. Ooh. The spots are little. The spots are little. Wait, yeah, the spots start like little tiny black. It's like somebody splashed tar on right, the leaves. Right, right. Yeah, they start small, they get a little bit bigger, and they will ultimately turn yellow. The edges right. start to turn yellow, and then they fill in yellow. Right. And that's called? That is called tar spot, right. strangely I'm enough. Sorry, what's it called? I can't hear you, Bob. Tar spot. Oh, tar spot. It will not kill the tree. At least it'll take an awful lot before the tree will be affected by it. Mm. It is a fungus. It is a fungus because what we did, we went to the Toronto Botanical Garden two years ago and brought a branch. And this, this is what they said it was because of the rainy season that we had. Exactly. So if you, well, they say if you rake your leaves for one and make sure the leaves do not stay around the tree. Okay. As much as I am a proponent of mm-hmm. keeping the leaves yeah. on the property, mulching them and whatever. Uh, in this case, you do want to get your leaves away from the tree. Okay. And I don't know with the new pesticide and. Eh, I wouldn't bother. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> Any fungicide is that's going to control tar spot is going to be a sulfur based, and it's something you'd have to apply in the spring because remember the spores get on the tree when it's very early spring, really when the leaves are just emerging, uh-huh. tiny tiny microscopic. Well, we went to the, um, the the nursery in the spring, and they did give us uh, something. I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, and we did spray it in the spring, but it didn't help any. Right. That's the problem with fungal diseases. It's all about prevention, and it's preventing at the right time and uh, consistently enough. But that I just looked up your tree. That's a beautiful tree. That it is, is a nice tree. Really Hot wings. The wings look like butterflies when the wings Yeah. <laughs> and, and about 25 feet away, we have an autumn maple. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year, we noticed some of the spots. Now, is this traveling to the other maple? Uh, all maples, but some are more susceptible than others to tar spot. Okay. Um, but Paul's right. It's all about removing the source of the inoculant, and the inoculant is on the, the leaves from the year before that fall to the ground right. and are sitting there in the spring. And when it rains, the little you know microscopic yeah. spores we blast up. We break in the fall, so we clear all leaves in the, uh, every fall. Yeah. Okay. So it could come from a neighbor's tree, and it's so right. weather dependent. Yeah. You know what? It's just one of those. If we have a really wet spring. Cold, wet spring particularly. They will be worse yeah. that season. Yeah. Oh. And if your neighbor has a maple, or if no, there's one across... Uh, like, we're the only ones that have the maple on the boulevard. I mean, on the crescent. It's coming from somewhere. There's a leaf yeah. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> there's a leaf <laughs> hidden somewhere under a bush. Or something. But don't worry. Like, it's, like Paul said, it's not going to kill the tree. Keep it's the tree not, healthy. Okay. That's what I was worried about. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. It's about oh, it's yeah. It's oh. gorgeous. I want this tree. Hot wings. <laughs> Do you sell that at? Sheridan at has it. <laughs> oh, and do you sell that at your at your place, Paul? I know we have Anything. some varieties of Tatarian maple, and I am not sure if we actually carry hot wings. Mm. I'm 
Yeah. Oh, that's all right. It's a really yes. good-looking tree. And I'm sorry you didn't get the, the little fruits, the Samaras, the, the maple keys, the helicopters, bright red, as, as they're supposed to be. That's where the hot wings comes from. But, uh, but again, give it a chance. Like, it's just every year is going to be a new year when it comes to things like this. So let us know how that goes. And I wouldn't try spraying it. Just try and keep it as clean and as healthy and good garden hygiene is, is the mantra to um, give it some fertilizer in the spring. You know, do that kind of caring water if we get into drought. Uh, four weeks with no rain. Let's get the hose out and do some proper watering. But otherwise, I wouldn't be concerned. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your call. That was interesting. I love hearing about new, new, new yeah. trees, new plants. Um, all right. So unfortunately, we have to do one more. I shouldn't say unfortunately because fortunately we have sponsors. So thank you, sponsors. We're going to listen to your message and come right back and listen to what Lorraine's got to say. She's calling us from Cambridge. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin and my special guest, Paul DeGroote. And a good morning again. <laughs> and that was good, that maple question. Now let's learn about planting from seed. Lorraine's on the line from Cambridge. Good morning. Hi. I didn't realize Mr. DeGroote was a specialist in trees. I would have helped on to this later. But anyway, <laughs> it's okay. I saved a lot of, um, of um, seeds from last year and didn't get around to planting them. Mm-hmm. And some are monarda, and others are a plant that blooms in the fall, great plate-sized, uh, red, pink, hibiscus, and... perennial hibiscus. Yeah. Okay. Now, do I have to harden off those seeds in the fridge for a bit, or can I just plant them, or what should I do? Good question. I do not know that off the <laughs> top of my head. <laughs> I, I don't have that one either. They're perennials, I can tell you that. But well, and you know, I was when all else fails, think about what would have happened in nature. So in nature, those seeds would have formed and matured, both those cases, Menarda and Tabiscus, late in the season, would have dropped to the ground, sat on the surface of the soil for the entire winter under the snow, and then when the conditions were nice and moist and warm, germinated and grown. So just on principle, I'd say I would be inclined to get some moist, sterile, uh, potting soil, potting mix, uh, or soilless mix in a little Ziploc bag. M- put your seeds in with that moist soil in the Ziploc bag and stick them in the crisper in your refrigerator. And I do that just on principle for three, four weeks. And uh, to take a look, they will often germinate right in the mix. And that tells you that you did the right thing. And then you have to very carefully uh, get them out of the bag and into separate little pots. Okay. Okay. And uh, in the meantime, I can also double check that. I can look that up and give you the actual truth. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't certain. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for your call. Um, Paul, you want to do the phone numbers just and to oh, make sure. sure we remind everybody to give us a call because we are here and ready to go. If you are in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, one 740 Four seven four zero. So T- too many fours, too many sevens, too many zeros. Well, guess what station we're on? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> we're on AM seven forty. That's why it's three six zero zero seven forty. 
A lot of 740s, really. Thanks. Okay, just thought I should point that out to you. So look, our next caller is calling from a place called Amaranth. I've never heard of Amaranth. Have you? I've heard of an Amaranth as a weed, sorry. Well, uh, and also as something we grow, but this is oh. super interesting. Good morning. Is that Karen? Oh, no, Kai, Helen. You, oh, Helen. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the wrong place oh, here. Helena. Oh, Helena. Sorry, Helena. Helena. Good morning to both of you. And to you, too. Are you calling from Amaranth? I am. Where is that? Uh, just outside of Orangeville. Oh, lovely name. The Orangeville and Grand Valley. Cool. You know where Grand Valley is? I do. Okay, that's where we are. Nice. So what's going on? I have an amaryllis that mm-hmm. was given to me at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Tall and beautiful, mm-hmm. ready to open, no leaves. And oh, I don't know a- if it's going to survive because it's got no leaves. I oh. thought plants needed leaves. Oh, they'll come. Oh, no. They don't need leaves. <laughs> no? Oh, first, okay. first, you want to concentrate on that beautiful flower. And okay. remember, the stem is green. That yes, flower yes. stem, is, and it is photosynthesizing as we speak. And feeding the bulb. That's right. Yep. So the yep. flowers are going to open, and it does look a bit silly with no leaves. But you know what? In the next day or two, some leaves are going to start to emerge. Okay. 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 Just be careful to not overwater. It's very easy to overwater bulbs. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So, I, th- I think maybe I did, but hopefully it'll be okay. Yeah, just feel the soil. You know, as soon as yeah. it feels a little bit on the dry side, give it some water, but but let it feel a bit dry. Don't keep it constantly moist. Okay, so uh, one time I had an amaryllis, and it had the flower, but mm-hmm. it was at the base of the plant. Oh, it never, it never extended. Yeah. That so. happens, and I sometimes I'm not sure if that's more temperature-based or moisture-based. Yeah. Because I get that right. with clivia, clivia or clivia. Oh, yeah. I always underwater them, and it's Flowers are way down deep. You never, they never pop up like they're supposed to, and I know it's connected to not down. watering enough. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. All right, look at this. We've got calls coming in. We've got Karen calling us from Cayuga. Good morning, Karen. Hi, how you doing? Excellent. Uh, it's been a long time since I called in. I, I, just, I just had this light bulb go off in my head, and mm. I thought, I need to ask the tree guy this question. Um, possibly you too. I'm sorry, Charlie. No, no, it's good. Char- I'm like, Charlie knows a whole lot more about <laughs> no, all kinds of stuff than I do. I like putting Paul on the spot. This Thanks. is perfect. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good one, I think. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a silly one. Years ago, we had the um, pleasure of visiting Banff National Park mm-hmm. and going also to Lake Louise. Mm-hmm. And walking down to see the beautiful sights, we were walking past a whole lot of evergreen trees and pine cones. And so I gathered up a whole whack of these pine cones. This is long, long, long time ago. Right. And I put them in a brown paper bag, and I brought them home with me. And I, I thought, how do you germinate, or is it even possible to reproduce these beautiful trees into little <laughs> tiny seedlings? I, uh, Mother Nature does it. All by yourself. <laughs> you know, it depends. I know, but I needed it to happen here. But it depends what kind of pine it is. There are different pines that whatever germ- surrounds Lake Louise. I don't know. See, Beautiful big, like lodgepole pine is, yeah, a, is a, quite a thing. famous one out in the Rockies. There, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it's lodgepole that it needs a forest fire to go through. That, I know jack pine does. Or jack pine. pine. That's, That's right. Really? Yeah. The, yeah. the uh-huh. pine cones sit there completely dormant until a fire goes through. Once the fire happens, now dormancy is broken. And as soon as you get a bit of rain, those seeds will germinate. So all all pines are different and have evolved for a reason. To you know, it's very hard. Think of a pine forest, how dark it is down at the base of these trees. Mm-hmm. So when the cones fall, it's it's so dark. It's not really optimal for seeds to germinate. True. And they and even if they did germinate, they'd be little tiny trees growing in amongst all those monster yes. trees, and they'd never make it. So that's why they have come up with these different evolutionary ways to survive. And when they do grow, they they're able to really grow. So I have an idea. Mm-hmm. What I should have done is brought them home, 
put them just slightly under the surface of the ground, burn the grass. <laughs> <laughs> sure, kill everything else, take out all the uh, competition. Yeah. Control, control burn, right? A control burn. Me, well, okay. well, so that would be the bigger thing is to figure out what pine, because there's what? so many yeah, kinds of pine. It's right before you, whatever's right before you see the water. At Lake Louise, yeah. And, do, and do, so you still have those cones and they're still in the bag? Have they been oh, in the... Oh, it's so funny. I have never thrown them out, but I know for sure they've got to You're going to use them for some ni- nice craft. Yeah. Are they well, inside? Well, I could toss them on a fire and then just hear the snap, crackle, pop. True. Are they, but have they been <laughs> in your house all this time or have they been outside in the garage? No, they've always been inside in a brown paper bag. Oh, okay, so you know what? I they, would bet that they are so dried out they're that dead. Mm-hmm. they are... Yeah, they're past their... I should paint them and hang them on the tree next year. There you go. <laughs> okay. There's a good plan. All right. Well, the, I was wondering this goes. for years and just never <laughs> never thought to ask the question. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. Thanks for the call. Don't you love Thanks. it? I love it. I love it when we get calls like this. All right. Well, here we've got, let's let's see what's going on in Wasaga Beach. Cheryl's on the line. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Um, we Last year, we took down a... Actually, we took down a whole bunch of trees, but one of the trees that got taken down because it was in the way mm. was a horse chestnut tree. Mm-hmm. Much to our surprise and pleasure, it started to grow. So I have all these little stems coming little, up. Little suckers coming from around the main stem. Yes. Now, our question is, because there's a sentimental value to this tree, if we cut most of those down and let one of them grow, mm-hmm. we can come back. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, that, that root, that root, really, really, really wants to grow. Yeah, because <laughs> the root is alive, and the root is full of all kinds of carbohydrates, and that's what's going on. It's it's shooting up little suckers off the root, like you said. So yeah, pick one. Make sure it's well protected, so that you know you don't run it over with the lawnmower or step on it or anything like that. And no, I the only it, thing I got run over by was the big truck to go in and take down our ash trees. Unfortunately, it was in the way, so they cut it down, and then we, even though we said, please go around this tree, it it was in the way. Too bad. And, well, okay, so those big trucks that went through would have, or truck, would have done a lot of compaction to the soil. They would have damaged all that. So the roots of the original chestnut might not have survived anyway, even if they'd left the tree up just because of all that sort of damage to the soil structure. So what I would do, if you do really want to pick one or just to be safe, pick two or three, I would do some severe loosening of the soil if you can, around the trees that you're going to grow. Just with a um, di- like a digging fork, straight yeah. down into the ground, and just lever it back and forth. Don't turn the soil over or anything like that. Just do some opening up and some loosening of the soil. I- I- and you might run into roots, so you won't. it might not be easy to do this, but just find spots where you can get uh, um, even a crowbar down into the ground and loosen yeah. up yeah. around. Add a little bit the- of compost. Yep. Oh, compost there's lots pine of mulch. compost. Oh, good. Do not it, it's lots of mulch. pile the mulch against the stem. Yeah. 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 That's for sure. Mulching is great. Like, keep the lawn away from where you're going to grow these trees. Mulch is great, but definitely no mulch touching the, the trunks of the trees. Okay. That's great. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, I love a horse chestnut. How oh. big was the original? Like, what was the thickness? Girth. The girth. It might have been me. Oh, not, not big at all. Maybe. Oh. Like it, it was only about, well, actually, it actually was very old, if I stop and think about it. But it, it's in our lot that has tons of trees. Mm. So we didn't even realize 
It was, it was growing. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. There were that many trees. We took down over 24 trees. Oh, but um, sounds like most of them were ash, though, or were they? Yes. Every, yes. And they were dead. No, no, dead no, no. Dying? We took them down because we were doing um, uh, hard hard surface work oh. in the property, and so after that, they we wouldn't be able to bring the dra- big trucks in. So we have some ash that we have treated, and then the ones we did not treat. Oh. We we bit the bullet and we brought them down. They were likely going to go down anyway, so yeah. probably yeah. just. And it's easier to take them down when they're alive than when they're dead. They're yes, very yes. dangerous to take down once the borers have gone through and and tunneled, and, and they're super brittle and they're and very hard to predict which way they're going to fall. Fall or yeah, spraying when you get out that saw yeah. the chainsaw. Suddenly that the ash is flying everywhere. So no, yeah. it's probably a good idea and good for you for treating. That's not an nice. inexpensive thing to do. No, I'm it's impressed. not, but, but we're hoping, we actually, a lot of the ash are trying to come back, same as we're having with these horse chestnut. So we're kind of hoping that they might move out of the air of the ash borer, and, and we might actually end up with more coming back. Hmm. We're just, we're trying to, trying to, some of them were discouraging because they're not in good places, never yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. But other ones <clears throat> where it's like, keep that one little stock and maybe yeah, maybe keep, yeah keep an eye on them for sure the em- little emerald t- ash borer does not want to attack a tree of a certain girth how do i say that the, they don't they don't bug the small trees well, i was going to say they, yeah. there's no point they won't even bother with a small one it's yeah. only when they get to a certain size that they're going to so if we can keep them all Really small Little. <laughs> until all the emerald ash borer die. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Or we come up with a, a, something, a predator of the nice emerald idea. ash borer would be nice. Some way to control it, because that's, that's been the problem. It's an invasive insect that came from offshore. It nothing... doesn't have any predators, natural. Yeah, yeah. Not, and they, they're, they'll go after any ash. And uh, certainly we, that's been a huge problem. But good for you for, for treating and, and attempting to prevent the well, ash borer from getting into some of your chosen ashes. So. Yeah. So um, excellent. We're crossing our fingers. Yeah, good for you. Well, we'll we'll cross ours too. Right. Thank <laughs> okay. you so much. Love Thanks. your show. Thank Absolutely you. Love your show. Wonderful. Thanks for calling. Love hearing these stories. They're from all yeah. over the place too. Hey, we're traveling all over the province. So now we're off to Kitchener. We've got Olive on the line. Oh, good point. We better just take a quick break and then uh, we'll be right back to speak with Olive from Kitchener. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin and Paul DeGroote. Good having, morning again. We're having fun. Hey, I just uh, quickly, just to go back to Lorraine, who uh, was talking about growing seeds of Monarda and hibiscus. Uh, in my brief break there, I quickly Googled Monarda seeds and didn't say anything about a cool temperature, any what we call stratification. It did suggest planting now, mid-February, if you're starting them indoors, to go out once we're frost-free. It also recommended that you provide some bottom heat. That will speed up the germination, and that's true with almost every seed. If you can provide a little bottom heat, whether it's a proper seed warming pad or a very, very low um, heating pad, or the top of the refrigerator. That's the the easy one. That's the easy one. It's dark up there, though, usually, so you got to keep track. Soon as you get a little bit of green growth into to a brighter spot than that. If you have a really old-style TV that has that great big box... Oh, who's got TV, those? I'm sorry. The TV <laughs> produces an awful lot of heat. Sure does, yeah. 
So that's not a bad spot. So it just says here, um, of course, you can uh, plant in late fall or very early spring, uh, straight outdoors. But if you do want to start them indoors, that's the idea. And you just a little tiny bit of soil on top and regular room temperatures. So no fancy temperatures there. All right. Let's speak with Olive, who's calling us from Kitchener. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Yeah. What's going on at your place? Hi. I'm a first-time caller. Oh, there oh. you go. Welcome to the show. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> there's, your, there's your wings. <laughs> My, a quick question for you. I have a 15-month-old lab dog, mm-hmm. lab puppy, mm-hmm. who is very active in digging. Oh. So my backyard is now just a mud pit. All the lawn is gone. Huh. From it's running around on it. digging and from digging. In terms of, I'm going to have to redo the lawn. Yes. There's no way it can stay like that. No. Is there something that I can do? Is there a better type of soil, sod? I, I'm not familiar with stuff like that. What can I do that he will not pr- dig? So something like hmm. a sod going down that is dog friendly. Is there <laughs> such... <laughs> That's the problem. They're all pretty dog friendly. No, it's it's more your dog. It's it, yeah. it'd be training your dog to. Like, what I would do is try and train the dog to have one corner that's their corner that they can dig in and not dig the rest of the the garden or the turf up, if possible. That would be optimal because you know you can't really force them to never dig because that's obviously part of the character of the dog. But it's the idea of just digging randomly that's destroying everything. Yes, it's it's all it has to be relayed. So is there something that you would recommend? But you see, anything you relay, any sod or seed or any surf, any plant you put down, the dog is likely to dig up again. Okay. So I did have a client once with the same, same problem in the sense that a dog was very active in a small backyard, a townhouse backyard. And we did a garden right at the back along the fence line with a nice tree and some shrubbery. And then she did artificial turf for the rest of the, of the yard so that the, the dog could go out and run around, uh, you know, urinate, do its thing. Play in it, its little corner. Yeah, and it had, it, you know, just washed down that artificial turf that was green all the time. And, of course, the dog could not dig it up. It was designed to be so stapled down into the ground in such a way that the dog couldn't couldn't lift it up. Okay, that so, might be my option. It, it might be. A, it destroyed my garden. Yeah. So, like, I had a Japanese maple tree and it just... Chew it up this winter. Oh, Ouch. no. Ouch. Ouch is yeah. right. Yeah. Um, there obedience are, classes. Yeah, that's my suggestion. Idea. We have tried. Have there you? are. Uh, yeah. Uh, artificial turf used to be pretty ugly, ugly yeah. old, green, bright all green. the same, yeah. roll it out. There are professional companies that will lay down nice looking mm-hmm. artificial Very turf. Very realistic looking. And actually. if you really want, they'll even plant a weed in the middle, <laughs> so it right. looks realistic. Okay. Artificial weeds, a dandelion. That's what you need, right? Yeah, no, it does look quite realistic. I mean, middle of winter is the one time it doesn't look realistic, but otherwise it's right. uh, it's pretty good. The artificial turf has come a long ways. Okay. All right. Might be an option. Yeah, good luck Thanks. with that. Okay, thanks, guys. You're very welcome. That's pretty funny. Okay, look, we've got another tree question. That People are really responding to you being here. Uh-oh. All right, you ready for this one? put me on the spot. Uh, I love it. Trudy's calling from Rexdale. Good morning, Trudy. Uh, Paul, well, I have a, a Norway maple, which was here when I bought the house in 1964. Wow. Ooh, that's it a big one. It was then a very small tree, and my little son was told not to climb it, so it was too small. 
then. But now it's so mature and uh, it's been beautiful all these years. Mm -hmm. This summer, I noticed big chunks of bark falling down. And on the underside, I noticed tiny little, I don't know, insects. or They almost looked like little worms and had white... uh, uh, white cover. Uh, they were like in a cocoon, cocoon you right. know? Yeah. Under the bark? Right. When the, where the bark After fell the off? Ba- on the underside of that oh, okay. chunks of bark that fell down. So I was very concerned. Mm-hmm. But now, and I called, I, I called the, um, the plant people and they looked at the tree and they said, oh, it's in perfect shape. But what I see now is along one branch... The bark is split completely mm. for meters. Wow. Yeah. So who, when you say you called some plant people, uh, somebody came to your garden and somebody inspected? Came, uh, well, I, it was Western uh, Tree Service. Oh, okay. I called because I'm across the school mm. and I'm very concerned sure. about the tree. Is my tree. If the branch falls down in a storm, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now... I I didn't at the time see that crack, but it goes all the way along the branch, and then the main trunk seems to crack too now. I saw it from upstairs, from the upstairs window. So now, of course, there are no leaves I can see better. Right, right? right. see through. So what could that be? I'm going to say it's southwest damage. Oh, you think? Is that your sunshine? Uh, you know what I was going to say? It might be an age thing. See, Norway maples don't live forever. And if it was a small tree in 1964, it's 50, it's 60 years old. It's very large. But, but the, like, trees don't live forever. Like, a 60-year-old Norway maple is not as necessarily, unless it's been super well cared for, it, it's probably not a very good tree anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you, over the years, have you pruned it, done any kind of... Oh, yes, uh, but that yeah. years ago it was pruned quite severely for, away from the house, okay. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, uh, they planted it too close, oh. really, to the house. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's typical. Yeah, and, <laughs> it happens and, all and the time. And we had it pruned and, yeah. and looked after, but, yeah, but what ago. I also noticed, of course, the roots uh, coming out more and more around, you know. Well, and the other thing that Norway maples are famous for are girdling roots. So yeah. they have this very bad habit of committing suicide. So they, <laughs> they, 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 they and it doesn't happen when they're young. It happens when they're anywhere from 30, 40, 50 years old that the tree will start to decline. Now, an actual expert like our friend no. Don Vurhees can come onto the property and he can look at the, the way the trunk comes down and the shape as it comes down to the flare at ground level and tell you uh, girdling root right there because of the way that the flare doesn't work quite right. So, you know what I would do? I would call another um, like certified arborist to come onto your property. You're in Rexdale. Davy Tree is everywhere, really, in Canada. They'll come onto the property at no cost but give you a recommendation on what they would suggest doing. Because it's hard to say from here what you should do, but it sounds to me like that kind of cracking in the bark sounds a bit dangerous. We've been having a lot of big winds these days. Exactly, yeah. Our weather is, we're kind of doing 
sort of extremes with it doesn't just rain anymore. We get, you know, rain events. It doesn't just snow. We get snow megadon. Like yeah. the wind yesterday was crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, I would be incl- just on, to be on the safe side, get somebody onto the property now with no leaves, can see what's going on. Take them up to look out the window with you if necessary to look down on the tree and, um, and get a recommendation on what pruning, what care, what should be done. Right. What was the name, please? Could oh, I- Davy is D as in dog. A, V as in Victor, E, Y. Davies. Davy Tree. I think it's called Davy Tree Experts or some such thing. Okay. And they have people that's their job. They come, they inspect, they evaluate, they assess, they give you a report on what to do. Yeah. I have a well, large... I, as I say, I did that with Western Tree Service and mm. I thought, you know, he would know. But mm. no, he just said the tree is very healthy and yeah. I have no concern. So. Well, okay, so if you just, I'm just saying a second opinion, that's all. Maybe yeah. this person will say the same thing and be just as supportive and then you sit back and relax and don't worry about it. But I, I haven't... <laughs> I don't think it's... It, I have to... I really have to worry about it because this cracking is not normal. No, it's and not. And you said the roots too, they're coming out more and more. Yeah, well, this ground but is probably dropping. you know, it's dropping. hard to grow grass around the, in the front lawn anyway. Oh, okay. It's up front, the tree, and it, I'm across the school, and I'm concerned that sure. they are in a they are known like for having. Have. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, sh- uh, Trudy's probably still listening. You ha- had a suggestion of a of another would Bruce tree Bruce ex- tree expert Bruce based in Toronto area. Bruce. They're on the Queensway. Yeah, they'd go to uh, Rexdale, no problem. Yeah. So Bruce, as in B-R-U-C-E, Bruce, tree expert. And you're indicating, you know who this is and suggesting this is a particularly... The boss s- man is a good friend of mine. Smart person. That's good. The boss man is a friend of Paul. So he comes well recommended. Bruce, tree expert, uh, as another opinion, if you need that for a tree. Um, yeah, Norway's don't let, live forever. So we do need to take a quick break. But just before we do, um, we still have some open lines and some minutes left in the show so if you'd like to give us a call 416-360-0740 or toll free 866-740-4740 be right back fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. You're rolling your eyes at that silly little intro. <laughs> I like it. It kind oh, of bugs and sums up the and, show. And something to rhyme with. Silly. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. We have Sandra calling in from Etobicoke. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie. I have a tree question. Yeah. Um, we have a balsam tree in the garden. It's about 30 feet high. It was here when we bought the house over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And this summer, for the first time, um, it started having some yellowing, but it was sort of midway down the branches. I cut it off. I mean, it looks healthy at the moment, but I'm wondering if it's going to happen again. Is it possible it was a very hot summer? When you say cut it off, you cut branches off, or you just... Yes, I cut the... the Uh basically the dead pieces off. Right. Well, but it's always good to do that. Well, I I trim it. I mean, obviously, I can't get to the top. Climb up, yeah. Occasionally to come in and do a, a pruning on it, Good. and it, and I fertilize it every year. Spring, um, I but would... I've never seen it do this sort of dying midway along a branch. Okay, uh, we call them evergreens. Uh, 
Yes. But really, as Sean James, hey, hey Sean, you listening? Uh, Sean will be on next week. He can answer this better. <laughs> oh. uh, we call them evergreens, but they are really only about three season greens. So the newest growth on the tip of every branch will be green. Last year's should growth be. should be green. Yeah. The year before would start going yellow, right. and the stuff in the inside, since there's no light inside there, will not Hang have on. any needles at all. Right. Well, this was more towards the tip, which I've never seen it do before. And it was sort of just in one area. It's um, up against a neighbor's garage. It's facing hmm. southwest. So it's um. not getting a huge amount of sun. Yeah, but if it's really close to the neighbor's garage, it could be a certain amount of light. Like sometimes you get hot spots in a tree because of reflection off of walls. Um, it, it, sometimes it's got to do with uh, something at the base of the tree. There's it's super compacted at that area, uh, or some something spilled in that area and it translocates up into the tree. But if you're really worried, like if you're saying, "Oh, this doesn't look good. This is too unusual," take some of those dead bits or the golden or yellow bits in. Into your local garden center, like your local, uh, whoever you trust. You're in Etobicoke. You've got Sheridan's not too far away, probably. Um, Humber Nurseries up in uh, Brampton area. Somebody get, just take and actually show and ask for somebody to take a peek and, and make a recommendation is what I would say. Okay. Well. All right. Good tip. Thank you. Okay. Wish pretty, I, we, pretty hard to see it from here. Yeah, I wish we could be, yeah. do. I could do better than that, but that's well, my, it, it's my not best. there because I cut it away. So. Yeah. Well, that's and, it. And it wasn't a huge area. It was it's a fairly small area. Well, if it's really very specific area, it makes me sort of suspect something's going on right there. Yeah. You know, it could be an insect infestation starting right there. You know, it's, it's hard to say. So that's my suggestion. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Sandra. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for calling. Um, so we don't have much time left, but I do want to mention that, and not to mention thank Paul for coming here and keeping me company and being my, my Frank, so to speak. But also next week, I've got Sean James sitting in the seat where you are today, Paul, which is going to be great. Sean's been here before. And of course, Sean is passionate about all things that little creatures of all kinds. He's, he's very, very funny. He knows an awful lot of stuff. So Sean will be here. So remember to listen in for that. The week after, I've got Stephen Biggs and his daughter Emma here to share the all about the, the new book that Emma has just published. Emma is a child gardener. She's 12 years old. Stephen's daughter and she's written a book and Stephen has helped her to write it and he'll be helping her promote it and uh, telling us all about the book in two weeks from today. So um, there's, there's what's coming up. Um, you, on the other hand, Paul, your, your nursery doesn't shut down for the winter, does it? Like, you're still employed. Well, it's funny how landscapers don't want to plant anything when the ground is this hard. I know. Silly, isn't it? We are there, but different things are happening. Yeah, you're like polishing the, the saws and <laughs> <laughs> sweeping the barn and that sort of thing, right? <laughs> you're not exactly irrigating or anything. Uh, no, no, no. Pruning? No. Not oh, even. there is a crew. There, there are a few crews doing okay. significant pruning. Yeah, this is when you can see there. what you're doing, and certain yeah. plants are. And when you have time to do it. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that's good. And what? You, so, what are you doing then? Uh, playing on of your administrative. phone. Administrative. Oh. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, I am polishing up the NVK website. Oh, good for you. Which is accessible to anybody, but availability is accessible only to people who are registered. Right. 
you got to log in to get real yeah. information. Right. Which, it's a great website. I love the fact that when I want to learn about a tree for, that see what you have inventory on hand, you will rush out and take a picture and, and send me a picture of it. You, you promise to do that within 24 hours, any time of the year, and I think that's brilliant. Very good service. So thank you to you and your bosses for that. And thanks for coming. Been, it's been a lot of fun. We'll thank do it again soon. Thank you for the soon. opportunity. All right. And thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do any of this without you. And the callers have been brilliant today. So keep up those great calls. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.